welcome those who are worshiping with us online. We're glad to see you as well and for you to see us. We hope that you'll continue to do that. And we're going to talk about some forgotten virtues today. And we want to talk about purity. And since I've been sick and it's the cold and flu season and I've been kind of uh, out of pocket, I'm not supposed to be around you people, <laughs> right? I'm really not supposed to be around crowds, not necessarily you, but, but the crowds. And so uh, I come in a little late and I preach and then I leave. Have you noticed that? It's a pretty sweet gig, actually. Um, <laughs> you, would, you would like it if I just came in and left. That's why that's it would be better. I didn't, yeah, see, and I didn't preach. That's right. Anyway, are you any germophobics here? Anybody a germophobic? Okay, there's people who are dishonest here. They're not, they're not. So you, you find hand sanitizer everywhere, and so we want to do that. We want to just kind of bump fists or wave at everybody and, and not touch each other a little bit here and try to get through this. You've got the coronavirus thing going on, and, you know, people are trying to stay healthy. Nobody wants to be sick. Yuck. Who likes being sick, right? So I'm with you. We, you know, we know that germs make us sick, so we try to avoid them. A couple of weekends ago, our daughter Elizabeth was here with her family, uh, her husband, Rob, and their, their child, Collins. Collins is three. She's our only grandchild, and she's perfect. <laughs> a gifted child, beautiful. How much time do you have? Let me tell you about her. Maybe we can watch a video. Anyway, um, Collins was here, and Rob, on Sunday, they came in on Friday, and they got to stay because it was the holiday on Monday, so they were leaving on Monday. And Sunday afternoon, Rob had just been getting worse and worse. He wasn't feeling good. And he went to the doctor, the urgent care, and he came back. They had diagnosed him with the flu. He had Part B. So we, we had to sequester him. He was quarantined to the bedroom. We would let him out occasionally to eat something, but not when I was around, okay, because they were really trying to take care of me. And so they, then they went on home on Monday, and nobody got the flu except Rob. He was the only one. So, but he's much better now. We're grateful for that and glad that the family didn't get it as well. Well, think about it this way. As much as we want to avoid germs, as much as we want to avoid getting sick, how much do we avoid the pollutants and the contamination of sin in our lives? You know, we have to be on guard for that, too. We have to watch out for that as well. It can contaminate us because sin, it always has a price, doesn't it? And it's not fun. So I want to talk to you today about pursuing the mission of purity in your Christian life. Now, purity is being free of contamination and immorality, okay? Many of us in our American culture of Christianity, what do we do? A lot of times what we do is we compare ourselves to the world. And the world's just getting worse and worse in what they do and what they believe and what they think. And we compare ourselves to the world. And when we do that, we feel pretty good about ourselves, don't we? But the problem is that really we need to be looking at God's standard and not the world's standard. Because God's standard is so much higher than that. Now, even Isaiah, a man of God, when he saw the Lord high and lifted up in all his glory, he said, woe is me. And this guy was a righteous man. He realized his impurity. What did he say? He said, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. In 2 Corinthians, it says, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. 
And so what we're trying to do in our lives as Christians is we're trying to live for God. We're trying to be like God. Christian is Christ-like. So we want to be an image of Him. And so we have to be on a mission to avoid the contaminants and the pollutants of our spiritual impurities. Now, we have forgotten as a culture why we're here. We don't know. People don't know in the world today. They don't know that they have a purpose. They don't really understand that. They don't know that there's a reason for them and that God has a standard because we've forgotten who we are. So that's the first thing I want to talk about. Don't forget who you are. Now listen, if you know who you are, you will know what to do. If you know who you are, you will know what to do. Parents, when the baby's crying, what do you do? You're the parent. You know what to do. You go take care of the baby, right? You're the parent. What about when your child gets hurt? You know what to do. You're the parent. You're going to take care of your child. It may be a Band-Aid kind of a hurt. It may be, let's go see the doctor and get some stitches or staples kind of hurt. It could be a lot of different things, but you're going to take care of it. And when you have a teenager who starts driving, what are you going to do, parents? Everybody get on your knees. We're going to pray. That's what you're going to do. Sometimes people will tell me, my son started driving. My daughter started driving. I said, what color is their vehicle? I'll look for them, okay? Because they're just starting out there. When Catherine, our younger daughter, was <laughs> she had just gotten her license. I mean, she had just gone and gotten her license with Laura. And then they, <laughs> they went to State Farm. And she went in and she said, I've got my license. Okay, we got her on the policy. We're going to make the transition, all that stuff. And she goes out and she borrowed her sister's car to do the test because it's smaller. She thought that would work, right? And she goes out there in the parking lot at State Farm on Front Beach Road and backs into another kid's car <laughs> right there. And he's just done the same thing. He's just been to get his license. And now he's not even out there. He's at State Farm and somebody's already hit his car. He's had his first wreck without even being in the car. That was a gift, wasn't it? Okay. Well, you know, when, when your teenagers start driving, it'll sure make you pray. Now, I grew up in the 70s. Was anybody here born in the 70s or, or before that time? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Because a lot of you don't know about the 70s. You wear the same clothes today that we wore in the 70s, and you think it's new, but you just call it something different, you know? But it's totally, it was totally different back then. Now, now, let me just tell you, it was so different from our culture today. Because in the 70s, what happened was there was this thing called the Jesus Revolution. And so it became very popular to be a Christian. And I had a lot of Christian friends. And our youth group made an album that's a really big CD. For those of you who don't know, you don't know what a CD is, do you? You just listen to stuff online, right? Anyway, we made an album in Nashville that we traveled. And back then, you could go to high schools and you could go to churches and you could witness and we would sing and give our witness to people. And I thought everybody's youth group was like that. And everybody in town came to our church because we had this big youth group. And we all sat together in church right up front, you know, because we wanted to just be there. And, and on Sunday nights, we would have a service, and it would be a smaller crowd, and we would all pray out loud. You know, different people would take turns, and a lot of the youth would pray out loud in church back when I was growing up. And then they had these things called lay witness missions. 
And so they would take them, and we would go on those things. And, and so we would go stay in someone's house, and, and we would witness to them over the weekend. We'd just spend time with them. And then some of us would get up and give testimonies during worship during that time, and people would get saved, and it would be a wonderful experience. And, and I remember we, they used to have bumper stickers, and it would say one way, and everybody would go around in their car, and they would do this to each other one way. Today they do something similar, but it doesn't mean the same thing. Okay, it's a totally It's one way, but it's not the right way, okay? They're going in a different direction. So, but back then, that was a popular thing to do. So anyway, we used to go, when we got to college, there was this group called Dogwood. And they would sing in Nashville at this little coffeehouse bookstore place called Koinonia. And it was put on by this church, and it was just an old warehouse-type building. And we would go there on Saturday nights, and they would sing, and we would listen to their music, and we would buy their music, and we would listen to it. And, and when we would go to our Bible studies, we had guys and folks that could sing, and, and they would play that same music for us. And we even had Dogwood come and do youth weeks and stuff with us because they were so great. Well, there's one guy in there named Steve Chapman. Steve and Annie Chapman. Ron Elder was another guy. Well, Steve wrote this song, and he, he was from West Virginia, and he said, you know, he grew up in a Christian home, and his mom and dad taught him the right things to do, and he wanted to live as a Christian. And he said when he got ready to leave home, his daddy said this line to him, and it's in a song that he sings. He says, boy, remember whose child you are. Remember whose child you are. What was he saying? He was saying, I raised you the right way. I taught you Christian values. I want you to live. You're my son. You've got my name. I want you to live in such a way that you reflect the values that I've taught you. And he wasn't just saying, I want you to let everyone know that our family, you know, what, what their values are. But he was saying more than that. He was saying, I want them to know that you've got a heavenly father. I want him to, and then here's a guy, he's singing about it. He's celebrating it. He's witnessing it. He's still alive today. And he and his wife have books out, and they do a great job of sharing that. Well, it was a wonderful thing for us to grow up and have that encouragement, you know, when we would go there on, on Saturday nights. And we would sometimes run up from Murfreesboro to Nashville and go to church at different churches up there. And we'd just find a place to go, you know, because we were in college. We didn't have one set place. We did have a Bible study we went to every week right there locally, and that's really where we learned about the Bible and taught one another. Now, I want to ask you today, do you know who you are? You see, we, we really had to identify ourselves as Christians in the 70s, and what a blessing it was to have so many people around us doing that. But if you want to know who you are, you've got to have a revelation from God as to who you are and what your purpose is, and what your mission is. Because when you are in Christ, it changes everything. At that point, everything changes. In Ephesians, it says, For he who chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. Okay? So he's chosen us, and we belong to him. As believers, you are a new creation. And when something's new, you want to take care of it. Did you ever get a new something, anything new? Yeah, new clothes, new car, you know, new house, whatever. Our, our granddaughter, she came to visit us, and we used to live in Bay Point. And they explained to her, I don't even think she remember our old house because she was so little, but they explained, now Buddy, that's me, and Honey have a new house. We're going to see Buddy and Honey, and we're going to there. And so she came in, and she said, Buddy, Honey, is this your new house? And we said, yeah. And she said, well, show me around. She's three. 
And she, she said, okay, is this your room? Yeah, this is your room. Where's your bathroom? So she wanted to go see the bathroom. Where's your closet? She, went, she checked it all out. She knew what was going on there. Well, you know, what we see is that we want to take care of things that are new. And as new creations, the old has gone, and we want to keep ourselves new and fresh before God. The problem is that the old way of life tries to resurrect itself all the time. Have you noticed that? The old sinful nature wants to come back. We're chosen by God. We're loved by God. We're the masterpiece of God. We're adopted as his children. We're to be pure. We're to be the bride of Christ. If you know who you are, then you know what you're going to do. Now, what does a bride do? Well, a bride wants to keep herself pure, doesn't she? Because she's taking care of herself. She's about to meet her groom and marry her groom. She's on a mission. And she's also preparing for her wedding. She's getting ready to get married. And I saw this, this recently on the news. Uh, I went uh, online and I was reading about this guy. I don't remember his name, but he's kind of a famous guy. But he's got a lot of tattoos on his face. And he said, the reason I did that is because I really don't like the way I look. And so I got these tattoos to make me look better. Now, now I'm no psychologist, but that's a cry for help. That, that's a young man who really doesn't know who he is. And he really doesn't know what his purpose is. And there was another celebrity, Mark Wahlberg, who reached out to him. And he said, you know, I used to have some tattoos, and I thought they were really cool. And he said, when you get older, they're not as cool anymore. And he said, so I had them removed. And he said, it was really painful, especially if you have anything on your face. Now, look, I'm not preaching about tattoos, okay? You know, I know that's a big deal today, and people like to have tattoos. I'm, not, I'm just saying that this young man didn't know who he was, and it was a cry for help. And you've got to know who you are in order to know what to do. We need to have a mission. We need to be preparing ourselves and enjoying the relationship that we're going to have with the groom, Jesus Christ, our Heavenly Father. And our hearts are, are all filled and totally looking for Him. A bride knows what to do. She's loyal and she is faithful to her groom. So why do we contaminate ourselves as the bride of Christ and allow things into our lives that aren't pure? In John, the third chapter, it says the bride belongs to the bridegroom. So the second thing is don't forget your calling. Don't forget your calling. We are not our own. We have been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. If we are Christians, then he's paid for us. And he is in charge of what we do and what we don't do. We answer to him. The true ultimate call for us is one of purity. Now, the longer Laura and I are married, the more we become alike. You know, we, we have different temp temperaments. Laura is a homebody. Laura, I don't think Laura would ever leave the house if she didn't have to go to work or if I didn't put her in the truck and take her somewhere. I think now that you can order your groceries, I think she'd just be there all the time. She, she is her own best friend. She loves to read. She used to say, I think I'll open a bookstore. And I said, you'd be miserable. She said, why? I said, because you'd be in there reading and somebody would come in and interrupt you and want to buy a book. And you would say, I don't have time for that. I'm reading my book. I don't want to sell anything. And she said, you know, I think you're right. I would be. And she, that's the truth. So she is her own best friend. She's kind of a quiet person. She has close friends, a few close 
friends, you know? Whereas I'm uh, like a people person. Did you know that? I, I'm, I'm drawn to people. I, I go around, and I got a lot of acquaintances. There's a lot of people I know. I, I don't have a lot. I have a few close friends, too, but I, I've got a lot of acquaintances. We'll go to the store, I, and I'll speak to somebody and I'll say, who was that? And I'll tell her, you know, because she doesn't know everybody. I don't know everybody in the church, but, I'm, you know, anyway. But we've been married 39 years. So it'll be 40 years this December, and we become a lot. We finish each other's sentences. We'll be saying stuff, and, I'll, and, and we'll say the same thing at the same time a lot of times, you know. Just look at each other. Ooh, that was weird, you know, because we just think like We are like-minded. You know, and there used to be a show on. Nobody remembers this. There used to be a show on a long, long, long time ago. <clears throat> it was called Ozzie and Harriet. And they were, they, I don't know what their real life was like, but Ozzie and Harriet were supposed to be this great couple who were just kind of the model for everybody else, you know. And sometimes we'll joke about that. We just say we're Ozzie and Harriet, you know, because we've been together so long. Well, what we have to do, we have the same kind of thoughts and the same kind of humor and like-mindedness. We'll have the same phrases that we'll use. Well, how much of that do we have of God? How much of the scripture do we have in our hearts and minds? How much do, do we just say the things that God would say in a situation? How much do we just quote that scripture because we've been taught that from our Heavenly Father? Are you becoming more like the world? Or are you becoming more like the bride of Christ? Because really, there's a standard, and it's a standard of purity. In Hebrews, the 12th chapter, it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So he's the author and perfecter and sanctifier and purifier of our faith. And so he says we're to be holy. What does holy mean? It means set apart for God's use. You know, when he takes us and he sets us apart, he says now, I'm going to take you out in the world today, and I want you to be a witness wherever you go. I want you to be reflecting me. I want you to be drawing people toward me. And it says in 1 Peter, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. Not just some things, but in all that you do. I can't do that on my own. I need God's help. I need his spirit living in me to enable me to have the strength and power to do that. He's my source and my help and my strength and my righteousness. He's my sanctifier. And so what we turn to is him. And in the book of Romans, it says this. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what is God's will and his good and pleasing perfect will. So it says, don't let the culture change you to be more like them. You change the culture. You show the culture what's important. You show them how to live so that they can be drawn to God too. You know, we live, we, we're among a people of unclean lips and hearts. We, we can be that way too. But we are trained. We've trained ourselves. God has changed us to be godly, to build ourselves up in a holy faith. In the book of James, it says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but what? Do what it says. You know, I know people who study the Bible all the time, but they're never going to do it. They're just going to study it and talk about it. They're never going to go out and practice it. And that's the whole reason to know it. When you know his word, then you live it. 
And then it goes on in Hebrews and it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and it goes on and talks about throwing off the sin that we have, but I want to talk about that first phrase first. You can read through it. But here's what I picture. I picture the saints, the, the people of God who've gone to heaven, and they're peering over the balcony of heaven, and they're watching us all the time, and they're our fans, and they're cheering us on. They've already gone to glory. They've already done, and, you know, we stand on the shoulders of those who've gone before us. But there they are looking to us and saying, don't give up. Be encouraged. You know, have a good attitude. Realize that your life is so important because people who are in heaven can't witness to anybody anymore. When you get to heaven, your chance to tell somebody about Jesus, now you can tell them about what he's done in your life, but you can't lead somebody to Christ in heaven. They've already found him, right? So man, what an opportunity we have right here on this earth as Christians to be a witness for him, the fan club of those who have gone before us looking after us and checking on us. You know, we want to do things that are beneficial and not detrimental. I want to be a person who deep down is a person after the heart of God. And so what I have to do, I have to cooperate. Look at the person next to you and say, cooperate. Okay, wake up and look at the person next to you and say, cooperate, okay? Because in order for you and me to be all that God wants us to be, we've got to cooperate with him. And then we see the inner beauty in one another when we do that. Did you happen to see on the news this week, maybe you saw it online, you know the front door cameras are a big deal now. Has everybody got a front door camera? Because if you don't have one of those and you're bored, this is something to watch right here, I'm telling you. We got that put in at our house, you know, when we were spending all that time at the house and I was recuperating and we had people come into the house. And so it was on our phones that would make this little noise and we could punch a button and we could see who it was. The other day, we were um, on Thomas Drive and this guy was supposed to call us before he came, a repairman, but he didn't call. He just kind of was in the neighborhood, so he showed up. And we had his number, and so it came up on our screen, and we were actually looking at him and talking to him. He's standing there on the front porch. And we said, hey, you came by to fix the faucet. We said, yeah, we're not there, but we'll be there in just a minute. He said, okay, I'll just wait. And so we got back. We would have missed that, but we got back, and, and he came in and fixed that for us. Well, it's a great thing. Well, you know what I saw on the news? I love this. Now they're catching people. You know, what people do is they steal packages, right? But here's what I love. Now they're catching people doing good stuff on the cameras. This guy was driving by, I don't know if he was a mailman or what he was doing, but he was driving by and this man's flagpole in the storm had blown over and the flag was on the ground. This guy got out of his truck, he took the flag, he took it up on the porch, he folded it properly as it should be and he laid it there down on a, on a chair that was on the front porch. And he didn't even know the guy. He just left it there for the guy. And the guy found out who he was and called him and thanked him, and they showed it online, and they were so appreciative. And, and there were other things like that. This one guy uh, collects trash, and, and he was collecting trash, and he saw this elderly woman who had taken her can out, and she had fallen down, 
And he helped her back up. And fortunately, she didn't have any broken bones. And he helped her take the can back, you know, because they'd emptied it out. And he helped her walk back up to the house. So now when he does his rounds and stuff, he'll just get the can for her and take If she's out there, he'll say, well, let me help you with that. And he'll take care of her and the garbage now. We got this the whole deal packed. He, and they interviewed him. He said, well, that's just what you're supposed to do, right? There, there's people doing good things out there. <laughs> one, one guy just delivered a pizza on the video. He's on the video, and he's trying to leave. And this little two-year-old comes running out there to the gate where he's going to shut the gate, gives him a big hug. Thank you for the pizza. He's happy to have the pizza. And, and he gives him a hug, and then the guy leaves, you know. Well, isn't that a great thing? Now, listen, if the world can do that, could we be caught doing great things as Christians? Maybe somebody would be watching our camera. Maybe somebody would see our witness, and they would see the way that we live. I, when I go to Publix, I'm getting to know people at this Publix now. The people at Bay Point prayed, and I left that Publix. I don't go there anymore. But I'm meeting the new ones. Actually, the, all the pharmacists had me praying for them at the Publix at Bay Point. Seriously. And, and I ran into them, you know, at various places. And they were, are you still praying? I'm still praying. So anyway, I, I go over here to this one now, and I've met some of the, the folks who do the checkout, right? And I've met some of the people that are there. And there's this one lady that was there this morning when I went to get my newspaper, and I've seen her before. I don't know her name, but we just talked briefly. And, and she said, where have you been? I've missed you. You haven't been here. And I said, well, I almost died. <laughs> you know, I got sick, and I was in the hospital, and I was telling her about it, but I'm much better now, thank you. And she didn't know what I did, and I, I told her I was the minister, one of them here at Woodlawn, and uh, I was getting ready to go. She said, Woodlawn? She said, well, I, I love Woodlawn. She said, Woodlawn? I gave money to Woodlawn, and I helped out with their food pantry over there, the We Care Ministry, because they paid for my daughter to go on to camp and gave her a scholarship one time. And so, yeah, and I've been there some. I've been to Woodlawn some. Well, you know, I'm a witness wherever I go, right, whether I'm at Publix or wherever I am. And so you are too. Wherever you go this week, you're going to be a witness to people. And so I just encourage you to remember that we are to be pure. That, that When the world sees that, they're going to say, there's something different about that person. I need that in my life. Let's pray together. Father, we're just so grateful that you give us an opportunity to be a witness and that we can be a witness for you, that we can have purity in our lives, that we can live for you. And we pray that we would do that wherever we go, whatever Amen. we do.